This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, as you can see, this week's sermon passage is not the Old Testament reading. It is the alternate Old Testament reading that's in the Book of Common Prayer. This one is Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. Suppose you had two brothers, and they lived together with their parents, and one of the brothers had a winning lottery ticket. And he knew it was a winning lottery ticket. But the younger brother had tickets to the seventh and deciding playoff game in the Stanley Cup Finals, where the Bruins were going to take on whoever. And the older son who had the winning ticket said, I would give anything to have tickets to that game. And the younger brother says, anything? Then trade me the lottery ticket and I'll give you tickets to the Bruins game. And he did. Now, at first, do you believe that this was a wise choice? No, of course not. Because since we're talking the Powerball lottery, the winning ticket was going to pay like $900 million. The older brother could have bought the Bruins for that much money. But he instead opted to get those tickets to the hockey game. Now, what would you call a snap decision made like this? And to give you a hint, it's a nine-letter word that begins with I. Well, that would be true, too, but it's not yeah, idiotic. Okay, that would work as well. But that's not the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> How about impulsive? Made an impulsive choice. Now, to be able to understand today's Genesis passage, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 25 and take a look at verses 29 through 34. Now, Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some of that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So you could say here, the older brother in this parable also made an impulsive decision, right? He gave up his birthright, which in a way meant that he was going to inherit, since he was the older son, technically, 
he was going to inherit his father's entire inheritance, which meant back then lots of flocks and herds and gold and all kinds of other things, which means that he was going to be really wealthy if he had made the right choice. Now, we're tempted to make impulsive choices on matters like this. Now, what I'm not trying to say is that all snap decisions are not exactly mistaken. Here's an example. If you're going to ponder the alternatives and the possible choices, you're sitting on the beach with your family and you look out over the ocean and you see this tsunami coming. And you say, should I take my family and get off of the beach or should I wait until the tsunami hits to see how bad it's going to be? There you don't have to sit there and meditate on the choice. You get off the beach, right? Okay, so this decision immediately for Esau and Jacob was not a life-threatening decision where there was be people who were going to die if they made a mistake. Now, we move forward to Genesis chapter 27. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, we know the story, right? As Rebecca hears that and says, well, if he comes in, Esau is going to get the blessing. Now, it turns out, of course, that Isaac's favorite son was Esau. And Rebekah's favorite son was Jacob. Now, here's the deal. Rebekah had heard the prophecy that the older would serve the younger. So she knew the promise from God that her favorite Jacob would indeed receive the blessing. But she decided to help God out and went in and disguised Jacob, you know, had the fur on his arms so he could be hairy like his brother, and bring some food. So she cooks up this savory meal that Isaac likes, brings it to him, and Isaac says, you, you, you sound like my younger son Jacob. Oh no, father, it's me. I'm your son Esau. So Jacob gets the blessing. And it turns out that Esau is naturally anger, angry over this. But here's what Esau says. He says, Jacob has cheated me twice. So what's he doing? He's blaming Jacob for his bad decision. How often, let's be a little reflective here, how often do we make a bad choice and blame it on somebody else? Is this a common thing? Quite often. Quite often. 
Well, so we're not a whole lot different than Esau is, are we? Although Esau, according to one of the commentaries I read, they said or hinted broadly that Esau was not the brightest bulb in the display because he was prone to making decisions like this, spur of the moment things and having extremely bad judgment. As a matter of fact, he goes and he married a couple of women from who were from the Hittites in the area. And Rebecca says, I can't stand this. My son's married these heathen. And so Esau, yeah, made some pretty bad choices because both parents were upset with his choices of women because he went and he found some pagan women and married them and made them part of the inheritance, I guess. But actually, no, because Esau lost his inheritance. But you still see it pained his parents greatly. And Esau, again, made some really bad choices. But what does he do? Of course, we've already decided he blames Jacob for this. And then he says or thinks, I'm going to kill him. Now, what happens? Rebe Rebecca hears this and says, <gasps> Esau's going to kill him. So he, she goes to Jacob and says, your brother comforts himself by thinking about killing you. So Esau was getting comfort from thinking about killing his brother. So yeah, he's still probably not the brightest bulb in the display here because he's blaming Jacob for the problem. Now, what happens? Jacob takes off and he leaves the clan and he goes out and they're in Beersheba and he goes the 50 miles to Jerusalem or what at that time was called Salem. And then he goes the next 10 miles to a place called Bethel. What happens to Jacob here? Well, at night, Jacob has this profound spiritual experience. He, he gets this look right into the courts of heaven because there's this ladder, right? With angels going up and down on it and up and down. But at the top of the ladder, Jacob sees Jesus. And he sees the Lord and he, he goes, wow. He even said it backwards, wow. And so he goes and he wakes up from this and he goes, whoa, man, I mean, uh, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Well, apparently he goes back to sleep because the text says in verse 18 in this passage, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob, it says, made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing, it's put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, 
You see, what is Jacob saying there? He says, think about the words. If God will be with me. Now, here's the thing. Jacob had heard in that dream that God had already promised him all of those things. The Lord had said, Jacob, I'll be with you one of these days. You'll be coming back to this land and I'll provide for you. But what's Jacob doing? If. He's bargaining with God. Now, Jacob could have said, oh my gosh, I saw the Lord. I saw into the courts of heaven. God, I am yours. I will follow you all the days of my life. I will be faithful to you. I will serve you. And I know that you'll take care of me because you said so. And I will follow you every day of my life. But he didn't do that. He said, if God will be with me. Now, here's the deal. And here's the truth of the matter. God doesn't make deals. God doesn't negotiate. God sets the terms of the relationship and we either accept them or we don't. You see, God says, I want you to worship me. God says, I want you to read scripture because in Psalm 29, 2, it talks about worship the Lord, worship me. And Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 tells us that we need to be faithful in our worship and go to the house of the Lord and not be like the Gentiles who have this habit of skipping out on worship. And then he talks about prayer. The Lord says, or Jesus told this parable in Luke 18. He said, Jesus told him this parable that we should pray always and not give up. Prayer is the key to all of our relationship with the Lord. Oswald Chambers said, prayer isn't to get ready for the battle. Prayer is the battle. And then E.M. Bounds wrote about prayer. The ardor of devotion is in prayer. Revelation 4, 8, we read, And they rest not day nor night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. The inspiration and center of our, their rapturous devotion is the holiness of God. That holiness of God claims their attention, inflames their devotion. There is nothing cold, nothing dull, nothing wearisome about their devotion. They're, they rest not day or night. What zeal, what unfainting ardor and ceaseless rapture, the ministry of prayer. If it be anything worthy of the name, is a ministry of ardor, which means fervency and excitement. A ministry of unwearied and intense longing after God and after His holiness. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants for us to develop our prayer lives to where we are so full of the Lord and that we are so full of Jesus and I saw this on a meme on the internet, so forgive me for this. But if we should be bitten by a mosquito, it will fly away singing, there is power in the blood. We need to be that full of Jesus. And the way to be that 
is through prayer. Spend time in prayer. You would be just absolutely amazed at how your relationship with the Lord will improve and increase and grow to where we will know, as Jacob was promised, that when we follow the Lord completely day in and day out, He will provide for us. Yeah, we'll go through some rough times. Keep in mind, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to be in the fiery furnace to get the deliverance. The disciples had to be in the boat on the lake when it was being tossed and turned and saying, Oh, Jesus, we're going to die! You know, and that's what they said. But Jesus gets up and calmly rebukes the wind and everything calms down. So with prayer and worship and study of the scriptures, we will have that kind of relationship to where when the storms come, we're not afraid. When the storms of life get us down, we're willing to stand strong and stand in faith, believing. And again, as Ian Bowen said, one of the keys to this rapturous relationship with Jesus, so we are so full of the Lord, is prayer. And also add to that worship. When we do those things, the Lord will fill us up with himself. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.